You're listening to highlights from the creative process interview with Jordan Kerner. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. What lives underneath the story and, and what's important right now for us to say in, um, Clipper, in Charlotte's Web, where Charlotte's dying, um, but she's talking to Wilbur about the innocence of what Wilbur had to say to her and why Wilbur loved her um, because he was innocent and he didn't have any of the background of prejudice and anger that all the other members of the barn had. What people don't often know is that E.B. White, the writer of Charlotte's Web, was writing about the formation of the United Nations and the rejection of Arabs and Jews in the formation of Israel and the Middle East, where everyone in Europe had a prejudice and around the world had a prejudice against both groups. And um, the spider represents that thing in all of us that we're afraid of even though in fact, they may simply be a wonderful creature and we don't see them, but Wilbur did. And in the dying, Charlotte thanks Wilbur for seeing her as a being who loved and a being who cared and not brought to that all of the presuppositions and prejudices of the other barn animals' parents as they learned as little creatures to form their own prejudices. Um, and in that scene, that scene is always very important for me um, to hear Julia Roberts, who voices Charlotte incredibly, um, to hear what that means in terms of the nature of prejudice, which is what E.B. White wanted us to feel. <coughs> I, would, I would add to that that when I read the last review of Charlotte's Web of our movie, mm. all the reviews came out in the second week of December and the first week of December in 2006. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, we were fortunate to have wonderful reviews, New York Times and all that. But what mattered was two months, two and a half months later, in the middle of February, I saw a review come from the studio to me and they always put a little kit together of the reviews. And there was one new one. It was like, I've never had a review come in two and a half months later. And I wanna tell this story because it was so important to hear as a filmmaker. Um, I read it and the title of it was Worth the Wait. So I thought, okay, maybe we've done something right, but I'm really anxious to hear. And um, as I read it, and the reviewer asked questions like, how did the filmmakers know that I, excuse me, how did the filmmakers know that there was this in this bedroom or that in that bedroom or this in the living room or these things in the barn? How did they know that? And clearly, you know, they did their homework, which I had spent two weeks at Cornell University with white gloves on going through the archives of E.B. White before I even hired a writer. Mm -hmm. to know everything he thought about the creation of his masterwork. And then the writer kept going and talking about um, E.B. White, who sat with her 
and he was her grandfather oh. at, at the movie that came out in the 1970s, the animated movie, where Wilbur the pig came out and broke into song and said, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live. And apparently Mr. White turned to his granddaughter and took the motion of a sword pulled into his chest or his stomach and said, I want to die, I want to die, I want to die. And she was about 12 at that point. And he told her afterwards that Hollywood clearly didn't understand the rhythms of nature. And that someday when that happened, <clears throat> I'm gonna get emotional right now. Someday when that happened, um, that the world would understand that it was worth the wait. And she said, today, after I saw the film, today was the day that I realized that Hollywood finally understood the rhythms of nature. And yes, it was worth the wait. And it was uh, Catherine White, um, granddaughter who wrote it. And I didn't stop crying for a half hour. Um, because I had read everything, I knew what was important to him. And we used a lot of his own dialogue in the movie. Um, but I knew what he wanted at heart and I knew what he wanted politically. Um, and so I was never gonna let the politics slip out of the movie um, that he was telling as a writer for The New Yorker. And um, it was a great privilege um, to be able to do that. And I wanted just to mention that as one of the few um, much later after the release of a film, one of the few great moments of uh, kindness and sort of tearful in in introspection that can happen. In terms of motion pictures, th there'll never be a substitute for me to going to live theater. I love to be in that room. I love to feel the actors standing up there on stage. I love to feel the audience around me reacting with me the same way with a motion picture. To the Mighty Ducks, when the director and I were on opening night, not at a premiere, but at a regular theater, I was astounded and I turned to him and I said, I don't remember us putting in cheers in this moment. And I thought there was just the score. I, I was on the, that, he chuckled and he said, look down below. And as I was looking to the first few rows, people were standing up and cheering. Well. Forget it, I was in tears and they had to pull me off the floor. In Fried Green Tomatoes, there was a moment in the movie where Kathy Bakes walks into the rest home and Jessica Tandy is in bed. She has a sort of white light on her and Kathy, the character thinks, as we, the audience, think that Jessica Tandy has passed away in that moment. And as a part of the audience, I get tears in my eyes when I'm watching that. And then sitting there with my old partner, Abnet, we would hear like, were people like getting up to leave? What was going on? And we would hear this sound and it was, it was like a, 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 not, a, not that, but it was the unclasping of purses. Mm -hmm. And then we would hear uh -huh. like the sound of, you know, of no noise, you know, going inside the purse. And then we would hear people blow their noses. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would hear voices go, <clears throat> and those would be the men. And it wasn't people getting up to leave, it was people just being incredibly affected in the moment. You can't get that sitting there watching your television while everybody else is watching their television around the world. From a filmmaking standpoint, for me, there's nothing happier 
you know, than those moments. I don't care what a critic says when the audience is fully engaged in the movie. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.